It's been 20 years since the release of The Matrix, so in a very special Lost King episode, we're going to be talking about not just the movie, but its spin-offs and its sequels, and some of the things that it inspired. Hey, and welcome to a very special episode of the Last King Podcast. Special Red pill, blue yeah. pill. Oh, there we go. I was about to say it's special because no one's trod on me yet, but yeah, I spoke too soon. You're not the one. I'm sorry. Oh. <laughs> the Oracle confirmed it. So I don't get to make out with Carrie Ann Moss? No, and you, oh. and you, and you can't bend the spoon either. <laughs> well, you know. Wait, wait, wait. There's no spoon to begin there with. There is no spoon. Like, there is no eccentric talk. <laughs> <laughs> yet you're still speaking, yes. Yeah, uh, I bend very easily when people question my existence. Okay, so plugging it right now. Speaking of plugging plugs, me. <laughs> let's all introduce ourselves properly. Yes, uh, I am um, uh, Stasius. Well, that, that's my first AIM um, uh, uh, logo. Where are we going course. with that joke? Okay, yeah. sure. Okay, okay. And who else is in the studio with us today? Uh, yeah, we got Agent Mr. Toffee here. Agent speaking. Mr. Toffee. There we go. <laughs> Not Mr. Agent Toffee. Like Mr. Agent Mr. 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 is your first name, so it's Agent Mr. My Agent middle Mr. name Toffee. is Mr. and don't you forget it. <laughs> <laughs> wow, your parents really hated you, huh? Okay. Yeah, they did. And they also liked that 80s song. And of course, uh, topping up the cast, we have me, uh, Shafiq Revolutions. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> anyway, yes, uh, we're kind of suffering right now here because I am uh, coming in hot with this uh, flu I have here. So if my voice is a little bit flimmy, a little bit raspy, uh, I, I do apologize. But if uh, anybody out there in Last Kingland uh, likes the way I sound, uh, hey. Hey, how are you doing? <laughs> you doing? <laughs> uh, I've also got a little bit of some kind of tickly shit happening because Singapore is just a hot bit of it's, disease. Yes, it's the hot, wet flu season and you're bound to catch something. If it's not dengue, <laughs> it's probably the <laughs> it's flu. It's the other one. <laughs> it better not be dengue at the very least. Yeah, so count your stars. Count my stars. And speaking of counting stars, okay, there's a terrible segue. <laughs> hey, you know. Hey, it's a segue. Segue. Okay, you know a segue. Segue. Let's do this properly. Let's, <laughs> let's do this really properly. It is the 20th anniversary of uh, one of our favorite sci-fi action films of all time. We're going to be, mm-hmm. of course, talking about the groundbreaking Dark City. work. Oh no no the, yeah, other, the other one <laughs> that came out a year <laughs> okay, later. The other one. All right, God all right, damn it. Yes. Um, uh, we're going to be talking about 1999's The Matrix. Okay, ending of the millennium properly with uh, a Gonzo film that took everybody by surprise yeah goddamn. and also i would say unfortunately it doesn't get as much love or shine nowadays because uh it's been properly usurped by you know superhero films and mm-hmm. the like and i would also say like you know even though not many people bring up the matrix as much as they should its influence is evident everywhere i mean like basically we have the modern blockbuster formula like you know, for the new that, millennium, yeah, yeah. because yeah. of the Matrix, yeah, and like you know, especially when it comes to uh, in terms of casting, mm-hmm. in terms of its special effects, in terms of uh, how it presented action, and how it presented action with very uh, intellectual uh, attachments as well. Well, I mean, heavy Smart- asterisk. I mean, like smarter than your average. It's not. I mean, to quote the infamous Yogi Bear. Yeah, smarter than your average, mm-hmm. but because if you have, I mean, like if you have to really take it back to a time and place, like this is 1999. Uh-huh. So this is basically like 
Bruce Willis and Die Hard basically started the Everyman action movie. Mm-hmm. Okay, because then we took uh, the stories away from guys like Sylvester Stallone and like Arnold Schwarzenegger. We didn't have these larger than life, overbuffed, uh, super indestructible. Yeah, gone are the beefcakes who are bullets yeah, and it was reflective. Repl- and it was like replaced by the likes of something like Bruce Willis. And Bruce Willis, you know, schlubby. Yeah, and you kind of believe him as an action hero, but you can't believe him to do kung fu. No. Yeah. Enter Keanu Reeves. Now, Keanu Reeves was basically on his way up as both a dramatic actor and also as an action star because yep, previously nice. he did uh, Speed, oh, which yeah. was huge. And then before that, also with Patrick Swayze in uh, Point Break. Yes. Point Break, Point Break. Yeah. And then, like, also at the same time, like, you know, in parallel to that, like, he was in uh, a lot of. He did a bunch of, like, dramas and romance. Yeah, comedies, I mean, like, I mean, his most notable like. dramas for me would be stuff like My Own Private Idaho, directed by Gus Van Sant, uh, Francis Ford Coppola's uh, Dracula Reimagining, uh, Bram Stoker's Dracula in 92. And of course, the movie that gave us uh, Charlize Theron, uh, Devil's Advocate. And um, I mean, like even, even for the older gentleman like me and Mr. Toffee, we also remember him as our favorite uh, surfer. Time traveler. Time traveler, Bill. Oh, which one? He's Ted. I'm sorry. Yeah, I remember Bill and Ted as well. The cartoon or the movies? The movies, obviously. All right. Which both. one's your favorite? <laughs> we remember both. The first one? Yeah. How about you, Mr. Toffee? What are your uh, Keanu Reeves <laughs> memories? Uh, wow. Apart from Bill and Ted, what else did he? He was in Johnny Mnemonic. <laughs> was, okay, was... I, I did not remember that film at all, to be honest. It had I... Henry Rollins playing a scientist. So yeah, there's a lot of. Um, <laughs> there's a lot to say about that. Yeah. I mean, you know, you no know, suspension of disbelief was very much required when you wanted to watch Johnny Mnemonic. But Johnny Mnemonic, I mean, which came out in '95. It was a cyberpunk kind of thing, right? If I recall. Yeah, so I mean, like, it kind of felt in a way that, because also at the same time, like, Lawrence Fishburne was in Event Horizon in 97. Wow. And then, like, uh, Keanu Reeves was in Johnny Mnemonic in 95. So, and like, it, it didn't feel weird to have these two guys in The Matrix. Like, yeah. you've seen them in similar settings. So, I think it was good casting. And also, I mean, if you want to speak about casting, definitely mention Carrie Ann Moss. The sexiest leather-clad ass-kicker, hands down. She's basically your friend's hot mom from school. <laughs> no, but I mean, in 1999? Yeah, kind of. Still, yeah. She was definitely, like, you know, I would say uh, a very a non-traditional beauty in terms of Hollywood standards. Yeah, she definitely pushed that kind of short hair chic, which... Yeah, the pixie girl look was pretty awesome. Mm. Um, but also at the same time, it's like, she, she was a relative nobody until The Matrix. She was in, like, a few B-movies and a few... She had a few television roles, and then I think it was like it was just uh, how you say stars aligned. She got the casting call. She went in, and the Wachowskis were super impressed. And she yeah. became an action heroine overnight. Yeah, like, and she like she put the fucking work in. Like she put the work in. Yeah. She learned that scorpion kick and reloaded <laughs> and did it. And it looked like yeah, that really hurt, huh? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Everybody. I mean, I also want to kind of mention the fact that you know what. Um, uh, I also like to apologize because here on The Last King, I mean, we give a lot of shine to Eleanor Ripley and Sarah Connor. And I think maybe amongst the pantheon of badass women, I mean, like, especially with... Uh, I mean, I'm going to add definitely Alita Battle Angel to that list. Oh, Rose Salazar we, 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 is we, a late addition. Yeah, I mean, but yeah, yeah. she is definitely young blood that we are looking forward to. But I would say, like, yeah, we should have given Carrie Ann Moss a whole lot more shine. Oh, for sure. Because now she's stuck doing bullshit like the Marvel... Uh, <laughs> Uh, Netflix series. Well, she's in Jessica Jones as the bad lady, apparently. As I don't... lawful evil uh, lawyer? Mm, I don't know. Kinda. I mean, I, I did. I yeah, saw... yeah, you, you, that sounds about right. Lawful evil. Lawful yeah. evil? I mean. Until okay. she gets uh, sliced up by her ex wife. <laughs> that was a fun uh, side story. Uh, 
I'm not a fan of Jessica Jones. And okay, I mean, like, also, uh, let's going down the list of uh, people appearing in this film. Let's not forget the Australian wonder himself, Hugo, Hugo fucking Weaving, Weaving. Yes. <laughs> who before he betrayed the gay community by saying, "Oh, these movies aren't worth my time. I'm a dramatic actor." Says fucking Elrond and Megatron. <laughs> And Rex the shitting on people who gave him a paycheck. Says Rex the sheepdog from the Babe films. Yes. <laughs> you know, I mean, like, come on, man. Like, I was a fan of him before The Matrix because ever since I saw him and Guy Pearce in Priscilla, Queen of the Desert. Oh wow! I was like, this guy's an amazing actor. He's got to go places, and he drag. did. Yeah, huh? he looks pretty good in drag. I must he say. looks very good in drag. Very convincing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> but then, um, I mean, of course, you you can't have an awesome action movie with a superhero style character without a very compelling a very original and probably one of the most like you know badass villains of all time I mean if you uh, I'm not sure if you're aware of this uh, Tom but when the Matrix came out uh, Agent Smith had finally usurped Darth Vader as the most evil character of all time seriously seriously at the time yes wow yeah. Darth Vader would everybody would say like who's the most bad character I mean who's the most evilest bad guy ever and it would be Darth Vader hands down. Once the Matrix came out, like finally, he, he Agent Smith, a guy who can go toe to toe, you yeah, know, like, with Darth Vader. And like the thing is, right? This is before the the second and third movie came out. Agent Smith in the first movie was probably um, a compelling character because it, I mean they they built him as some sort of like evil. Uh, he's a computer program. He's basically like he's anti. He's spyware. Yeah. He's there to like spyware who wants to rule the world, and he kind of yes. did. Actually. And then like yeah. all of a sudden, like I mean, okay, definitely we'll be spoiling the fuck out of all these movies, right? Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. Sorry <laughs> are, for spoiling are. movies which are now like twenty years old. <laughs> yeah. Legal to drink in most countries. I mean, like uh, hands down, one of my favorite quotes of all time is that scene when he was interrogating Morpheus, and then he did his uh, human Humans beings are, disease, are a, a disease. Cancer. A cancer on this planet, a plague, and we are the cure. Like, wow, that delivery. <laughs> and also, going toe to toe with Canaries in some of the most convincing, uh, convincing, convincing, Con- convincing. Sorry, <coughs> let me clear my throat. Thank you for coming, Sean Connery. Oh, Please right, join right, us. Right. League of Extraordinary Gentlemen was an amazing film, you fuckers. <laughs> <laughs> but I would say, um, some of the best one-on-one action we've seen until the raid. Yes, I can't really think of any fight scene in any movie that blew me away as much as any of the fight scenes of the Matrix, because I mean you also mm. have to understand that this is me. I'm a guy who was raised on Hong Kong kung fu cinema, and like there's something about this Hollywood, like you know, this finesse, the, the way they just shot it, the, the camera angles, and maybe it's also the the Wachowskis' artistry on it, like their take on the wireful like aesthetic, mm-hmm. and it's like you know, I mean, like the first fight with. Um, Keanu and Lawrence Fishburne like when they were doing the, the, do, the dojo scene oh yeah that's the dojo scene yeah, yeah you know, like, a lot of great quotes there too stop, stop trying, trying to hit, hit me and, and hit me, me. <laughs> yeah. and then of course uh, but like that final battle with him and Hugo Weaving especially when he becomes the one and he like he just basically parries every move with one hand yeah, yeah. like with giving that stone Bill and Ted kind of look while oh, the parrying with one hand otherwise yeah. known as the Keanu Reeves uh, the dynamic Reeves. acting range <laughs> Yeah. This is me happy. <laughs> this, this is, is me, me sad. Also, this is me also this is angry. Me angry. This is me very angry. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of like that moment in most video games when you go back to the starting level to just grind and everyone's just stomping over everybody, just, you know, left, right, and center. Yeah, is anyone yeah, else yeah. going to add? Please don't leave me hanging. No, I'm not going to leave you hanging. Speaking of leaving you hanging, you want to mention like Joe Pantoliano? Uh, that was Cypher, right? Cypher, the other bad guy in the film who. I mean, he was. <laughs> 
interesting up until a point. Then he became just a bit too like the creepy dude who keeps asking for your ASL. <laughs> like he definitely would I have mean, gone dude, on to I mean, dude, when he just appeared like outside yeah, the Matrix, you already know he's a bad guy from the start. No, but I would also <laughs> say he's also one of the most compelling vi- uh, villains, also because he had the best reason. He was sick and tired of the real world. Yeah, mm. fair I mean, like, I mean, like if I had that choice, I would sure as shit would live in that simulation. Jesus really? Christ! Yeah, mm. even if you had, yeah, yeah. even if the, in the simulation it was exactly this life compared to what was the reality. Uh, well, if it's comparing this life to simulation life, then no. But if I was living that fucking life, I mean, like Cipher, especially when he was making the deal with uh, Agent Smith, he says like, "I want to be something, uh, somebody important, and somebody, uh, you know, wealthy. I want to be an actor." <laughs> <laughs> you know, like th- th- that. A bit of meta commentary. Yeah, that very says. beautiful, selfish, like you know, self-absorbed. I mean, like also, I mean, I mean, this this movie is fucking quotable. Mm. And like, uh, he also had one of the best monologues ever with his. Like, I know that this take isn't doesn't exist, you know. But when it, I, it, I put it in my mouth, I know it's juicy and delicious. And after nine long years, what I realize, ignorance I is bliss. Yeah. <laughs> like wow, I mean, like the, the writing of this film is actually quite exceptional for a second time outing from two directors. Mm. I mean, uh, I mean, they did make their early starts in writing. I mean, they started working for Marvel Comics with the, I think, the Razorline imprint, which is like Clive Barker's horror uh, uh, series of comics, and oh. they wrote the script for Assassins, which was to be directed by, I think, it was Richard Donner. Uh, Richard Donner, uh-huh. yeah, that was yeah. Richard Donner. And the thing is, right, it was their first uh, experience of Hollywood executives like slicing up the script and then like reworking it and then like just. Putting it like uh, creating something that was beyond what their original vision was, and then like that spurred them to be directors, and then yeah. they went on to do Bound, which is like one of the sexiest movies of all time. You yeah, know, shout outs to, to watch uh, right now. Yeah, yeah, way back in '96. Shout outs to uh, Gina Gershon and uh, Jennifer Tilly for still uh, rocking it. Oh, yep. <laughs> have you haven't seen Bound? Yeah, you'll love it. It's also you'll have fun. You'll, you'll have love fun it because it. You, uh, it's also one of the first uh, films to depict same sex relationship as totally normal. Uh, okay. It's like it's two lesbians and they're just you know so dealing with like, stuff. Look at how brave we are to show a same-sex relationship. Yes, back in those days. I mean, like yeah, back <laughs> in '96 when it was, was just yeah, it, it wasn't a political yeah. thing. It was just like I mean, shit, it's still hmm. political now. Like the fact they got rid of it for uh, the imitation game. Uh, yeah, I mean, but, uh, what I'm trying to say is like back then in '96 is like for for like guys like us is like this movie is about two chicks who like you know have sex. I want to see that. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing political there. Sure. Yeah. What Which I really like about Boundless, that wasn't, I mean, obviously it was there, but it wasn't like the main central focus the relationship. Ah, no, of course. It was a lot of violence. Like, yeah. That too. Yes. And the sexy, sexy. <laughs> yeah. And the sexy violence. And the sexy violence. I mean, goddamn. Gina Gershon, Jennifer Tilly, in their prime. <laughs> Take oh, me yeah. back to 96. And of course, after, like, you know, uh, riding on the success of Bound, they gave us the Matrix. I mean, like, what a very sharp left turn it is. Yeah, from yeah. Like, from a neo-noir flick all the way to an action film obviously inspired by everything. Anime and yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. there are definitely some hallmarks of, like, there's some elements of neo-noir in the first Matrix. I, will, I mean, I agree with you in the sense that it is very, I mean, it is the search for the truth, the great conspiracy. Yeah, I mean, it is definitely, I think it's maybe, um, I would say through osmosis because I think mm. they were more influenced by something like Blade Runner, of course, which was yeah. heavily influenced by the, the the noir genre. I mean, there's also a genre. I mean, it's it's called the tech noir genre, or I don't know if it's a genre proper because I can I only think, think of Blade is. Runner. I can only think of the Matrix and Ghost in the Shell. I guess Ghost in the oh, Shell, but very would, much. But Ghost the thing is, right, I would say like all these movies except for Blade Runner, definitely. 
Uh, Ghost in the Shell and The Matrix, I would say, are definitely part of the cyberpunk genre. Mm. Yeah, for sure. And the thing is, there hasn't been enough of this in a while. I mean, I, the only other movie I can think of off the top of my head would be like Hackers. You know, in terms of like cyberpunk with like that, that kind of aesthetic. Yeah. And then there was another movie, Johnny Mnemonic, as well. Yeah, also which is starring Keanu Reeves. Starring Keanu Reeves, which is probably like you know, I mean, the I'm, stars are aligning. The stars are aligning because it's. I'm pretty sure that when the Wachowskis couldn't land like Will Smith, right, who was definitely going to be like a huge box office draw, and like I mean, I'm pretty sure they also looked at Keanu Reeves and thought, could we, could we make this work? And if it wasn't for Johnny Mnemonic, they'd be like, yeah, I think we could. Yeah. Yeah, but also at the same time, I mean, you. I mean, you want to talk about all the other influences? I mean, let's let's go straight into it. Anime, like Akira, like yeah, yeah come on, yeah, Akira well, goes to the shell, like you mentioned. Akira has influenced so much. Everything, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, anything done by the ninja, ninja school guy, and everything. That's like, Madhouse, right? Yeah, Madhouse as well too. Back in the day, yeah, I mean, this stuff they did was still really good. And of yeah. course, we have to mention the fact that when they were pitching for this movie, they literally took a copy of Ghost in the Shell, gave it to a producer Joel Silver, and said, "We want to make that." <laughs> And I'm, and the thing is, right? The balls on Joel Silver because because imagine, yeah, two scrawny then <laughs> then uh, guys come in. Then guys, <laughs> I love it. Some women X Men, yeah. <laughs> literal X Men. I mean, yeah. after you know, after these producers have seen what bad Marvel films and DC films came out in oh, that boy. period, yeah, and mean, they go to this, like, and it'd be like, yeah, let's do it. You know, it's a risk worth taking. With, no, but you've done recent memory of Batman and Robin. But you're sort of yes, understand. Thank you. Yes. But remember, exactly a year or two years before that, Blade was huge. You know, and the thing, and the thing is, right, the aesthetic mm. between a film like Blade and definitely when it comes to the licensed music, and like definitely the wardrobe. Like, oh yeah, between the, the two big movies, trench coats, mm-hmm. big leather trench coats. I mean, like a black guy did it better. Kind of. <laughs> With a I sword. Most things better. And also at the same time, uh, I would say like this was. I mean, like if you want to compare it to like films coming out now. How unless it's based on a comic book or a '80s nostalgia property or something, some sort of IP, like nothing will ever get past the pitch meeting anymore. Oh yeah, because it's now dominated by Disney, and Disney are yeah, so yeah. it's people just us. following what the current trends are. You're right, and yeah. I mean, you have to give props to Joel Silver. Joel Silver is the kind of producer who'd be like, okay, you convinced me. Here's some money. Don't 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 fuck this up. <laughs> yeah, like if this. Flops, I will ruin you. Well, he's not that kind of guy. He's actually a very cool producer. I'm sure, but I mean, you know, given how cutthroat the movie business is, I'm sure that you know, even he would have. You know, Joe Silver is the guy who gave Walter Hill money to do the Warriors. Okay, I take and, that back. And, <laughs> and that movie was like based on a book, and it's all about these black uh, inner city gang kids. It's like, okay, go for it, Walter. In the seventies, I, I trust you. Brave choice. Back in '79, Joe Silver, he's Boy. a man. Uh, I don't know. I wonder what he's doing right now. He's just probably enjoying all the residuals and royalties. Most likely, he doesn't need to work yeah. anymore. I mean, but also, like, if you want to talk about influences, can we talk about like classic Hong Kong cinema, especially the works of like, like uh, John Woo in yeah. terms yeah, of Bullet Belly? Like, everybody remembers the Matrix for basically one scene, and that's the, the lobby fight scene. Yeah, that and also the bullet time effects, which we will mention later when we talk more about the special effects and yeah. that that the impact of that. Uh, but like um, I would say it was definitely also because of the Matrix because John Woo was basically some like author over in Hong Kong doing like movies at Chow Yun Fat like and it, it's guys like Tarantino it's definitely guys like the Wachowskis who says like no 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 we gotta look at Asia Asian action is way like it's a whole nother level compared to like anything that Hollywood has been churning up yeah. because if you were to compare it to something like say a movie like Rambo which has a pretty high kill count 
but far fewer doves. Yeah, far fewer doves and bullets. <laughs> yeah. Because mm-hmm. like when John Woo came into the picture, like legendarily when John Woo started working, I think it was on Hard Target or maybe even Broken Arrow, but when he started working in Hollywood, he was just surprised by how little bullets he was allowed to use. Like, like for, yeah. a, for a basic it Hollywood movie. It like fucking America. <laughs> it looks like, okay, this is the 90s, sir. Before they had a real gun problem. Okay, yeah. that will happen way later. Yeah. Okay, let's not talk about that. But I mean, definitely in the 90s when like, you know, when you think of a, like an action movie, you think of something like like a Chuck Norris film or like, you know, Charlie Sheen and Navy Seals. And they're like, okay, you have 10,000 bullets, you know? And like, okay, enjoy that. And that's that far was, less than people think it is. And then people thought like, oh, that's enough. And then like John Woo comes in, he's like, no, 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 I need 100,000 bullets. Because if you were to look at all his films, right? Because uh, like uh, American like action movies is basically spray and pray. Yeah. You know, it's basically like Arnold Schwarzenegger with a machine gun, like, you know, just spraying <laughs> left to right and everybody just falls. Whereas yeah. if you see like Chow Yun-Fat in like A Better Tomorrow Part 2 or in like The Killer or Hard Boiled, it's like, no, 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 he empties a clip into one guy <laughs> before he works on the next guy. So definitely, yeah, the bullet belly, you know, invented in Hong Kong. And definitely, <laughs> there's some precision and some art that's to be found. And yeah, enjoy there's just in something these, yeah. like, you know, we have to respect about that. And also, I mean, we have to talk about the Kung Fu. Yeah, and the works uh, and the work of the, the the choreographer Yun Wu Ping, who I think it was basically um, I think it was Fist of Legend with Jet Li. That's the movie that the Wachowski saw and said we need to make the fights look like that. And that's like next level Bruce Lee shit. I mean, like this is Jet Li once upon a time in a, uh, in China era. This is him at his prime when he's like kicking yeah. guys eight times in the face before he even lands. This was <laughs> like late eighties nineties, right? Very late eighties nineties. Bruce Lee yeah. pass. 70s or even earlier yeah Game of Death was definitely in the 70s yeah yeah. I mean I could be wrong here but I mean Bruce Lee was definitely before my time but I'm a fan and I'm I'm only aware of everyone's a fan like I can't imagine someone not enjoying a Bruce Lee movie yeah but I mean like the thing is I was more interested in his descendants guys like Jackie Chan like Jet Li and Donnie Yen especially I think Jackie Chan especially is uh, should be credited for like bringing that style of action to the west definitely I will give it I mean I will give it to Jackie Chan as well as Jet Li because Jack, uh, yeah. Jackie Chan is more acrobatic, more uh, comedic. Whereas Jet Li definitely made it more of like a fine art. It was so visceral. It's like he'll punch a guy five times, you know, just to prove a point. Yeah. yeah. You know, because you, you disgrace my family, so I break every bone in your face. <laughs> also, you want to talk about the heavy stuff that's involved in the Matrix? You mean the f- uh, beginner's philosophy? The philosophy, is it? <laughs> and the... I what mean, people talk about. I mean, so. it's not only an influence. I mean, it, it's right there in the movie. Yeah, I mean... Okay, credit where credit is due. Well done for including the Cartesian model of consciousness and uh, the concept of dualism into a movie and not make it seem pretentious. Very hard to do. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but still, I, I blame The Matrix for all those pseudo-intellectual idiots that we have on Twitter now, thinking they're so smart because they watched The Matrix when they were 10 and kind of understood it. Oh, imagine how I felt when People I was... People typing this up on the IRCs or yeah. the ICQs. Yes. Like, imagine how I felt when I was 20 and all my college friends were like quoting Matrix lens as if it was like, Oh my the god, shit. I was in that place too you know with I mean? all my college friends. Oh, Jesus. It's like, exactly. alright, yeah, sure, you're right, Baudrillard. Cool. You know, in a way, it is kind of smart in a sense until maybe the trilogy kind of made it a bit more on the nose. But again, when the first movie came out, it would be like, okay, the thing about the spoon with the kid, especially when uh, Neo went to meet up with the Oracle, was actually one of the key scenes that actually made this film more than some of its parts, you know? What made The Matrix work was that it was a nuanced take on this. It wasn't, Mm -hmm. didn't just say like, what if what you saw wasn't real? Oh, they're just like, no, this is the premise. And then we're just going to carry on with this premise and keep making it just like accepted. 
So yeah. it's not just like reveling in how smart we are. It's just saying, okay, this is the the point. You're on board. Cool. Let's go on. And also adding to uh, what John mentioned about the Oracle, I love the fact that how it was a twist on the hero's journey where you meet the the wise and sage, and the sage was like, nah, you're not the one. Yeah, you're not the chosen yeah. one at all. <laughs> but it was just like such a good. sweet bitch slap because it was just like, uh, say Morpheus is gonna be so unhappy. <laughs> it's like. What? No, but that was and then Morpheus would be like, "No, I kind of have faith in you. Don't tell me what the Oracle said. That's for your ears." And then, but yeah, but I, I love how that that's the impetus because, like, oh my god, I got to do something because this guy believes in his religion so hard. Yeah, yeah. somehow he thinks I'm the Messiah. What is this life of Brian? <laughs> but then again. Yeah, uh, you can read so many commentaries into the Matrix, and that's the best thing about it yeah. because it is actually extremely multi-layered for something that a lot of people will just kind of, uh, you know pass off as just like oh it, it was like what that really interesting 90s action flick but it, it's it's more than that and i think mm-hmm. the wachowskis was definitely i mean uh, as much as i love the fact that this drew on many uh, sources of inspiration uh i mean like this is something that definitely we'll be discussing later when we talk about the sequels but yeah i like the fact that this was just a little sample of everything it was a very nice variety plate yeah, mm-hmm. compared to the smorgasbord that they were trying to stuff down our throats for the next two movies. Yeah, I mean, let's try holding off talking about the sequels for as long as possible because <laughs> we all get a little bit sad when we think about it and what it could have been. I mean, like, yeah, I know, I know you feel. It's like how I felt when I watched like the prequels, which was which came out right around the same time. Oh yeah, oh yeah, the forget, Star Wars prequels. The early two thousands was a pretty dire few years when it came to. Oh, well, I mean, it had stuff. its moments because you also have to understand is like you know there was also this uh, new uh, renaissance. I'm sorry. I mean, like it was definitely the era for guys like uh, Darren Aronofsky and Christopher Nolan. The the second yeah. guy, because like literally after the Matrix, the next year Nolan dropped his first movie Memento with Carrie and Moss oh, and shit, Joe Pantoliano. Yeah, yeah. 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 You know? the- and it's, it's like you know Aronofsky would also release Pi right right around the same time because like the previous generation of the new Brad Pack of Hollywood, like which is your Kevin Smith and Tarantino and Robert Rodriguez. Like, they were already becoming established, and then, like, the next wave was coming in. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, like, when you... Like, you don't turn to mainstream for what it is that is the finger on the pulse. Yeah. yeah. And also, around the same time, like, Asian cinema in, in the 2000s, like, especially Japanese cinema, the explosion that happened, because that was the, the year Takashi Miike came out with Audition, you know? Oh, and then man, later, yeah. Ichi the Killer, and it's like, alright. Yeah. You know, and Kinji Fukusaku would drop Battle Royale also, right, very well, soon. Okay, um... My caveat would be for someone growing up in the UK with before being fully aware of streaming services and or LimeWire. Mm. It was not a great time for... But you also had like... This was definitely the, the age of like Guy Ritchie, right? I was 10. I wasn't watching any Guy Ritchie movies. Oh, so that didn't yeah. bring Lockstock or Snatch home. <laughs> oh, <laughs> those are really classic. I didn't those see Snatch too. until university. Yeah. Uh, did it... How did it... Both the you movie feel? and the other <laughs> 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 I wanted to make that joke but then, you know what you, you beat me to it well exactly. done Cedric yeah. Tom well played sir <laughs> someone had to make that joke oh, there you, you, you did not see Snatch until university what took you so long anyway <laughs> <laughs> um, but okay you know what I, I want to wrap up uh, gushing about the first movie because you know what we spent we haven't really talked about the movie so much I just talked about everything around it Tell you what, okay, let's go around the table. Maybe um, starting with you, Tom. What is that one thing from the film that still to this day just blows you away, or like something that you know has stuck to you? I think definitely the moment that Neo wakes up in that pod. Yes. And it is Mm -hmm. so horrifying because we saw kind of hints here and there, like something's not quite right, but then just this bleak 
horrible landscape of just constant thunderstorms and just darkness and then the first time we see the sentinel just come up and just go hi yeah <laughs> with, with, with the red eyes and everything just kinda, we're gonna flush stuff. you now <laughs> just like yeah you're not worth it just flush it just absolutely horrifying and then afterwards the next 10 minutes of morpheus just explaining what happened mm. and then as we find out later with the animatrix he's telling a very biased take on the whole um, well he does represent robot. his side the humans True. Yeah. very much so yeah. he has to fight for humanity anyway so it yeah, is a fight for humanity but whose fault was it it was your assholes in the first yeah, place well, exactly I mean, that's definitely the moment which is like, oh my god, I've not seen anything like this ever. And I don't think I've seen anything as uh, just, you know, jaw-dropping since. I'm yeah. really struggling to think of the next thing which made me go, wow. But the closest is maybe uh, the LSD trip with uh, Doctor Strange. And I was kind of like, huh, neat. Yeah, I mean, oh, in terms of visual effects. Yeah, visual effects, yeah. Mm. I agree with you there because it's like, I mean, like, for me, it wasn't so uh, jaw-dropping. I mean, it was definitely a moment uh, that is etched in my mind. Because, like, to me, like, um, as coming as, as an older gentleman from the 80s, uh, like, that scene in Terminator, just seeing the dystopian future that was presented there. Oh, yes. oh yeah, yeah. And then, like, seeing, like, films like uh, Aliens. Because it's like, I mean, you have to also kind of... Uh, point out that like you know, there's a lot of Geiger reference when it comes to the design of yeah. like the Sentinels and this, the world that they built up today. Yeah, I think I didn't see stuff like Terminator, Alien mm. until I was 15 because that was around the time my dad thought I was um, ready know, for <laughs> ready for the world. <laughs> mature enough to see all ready these, for Snatch. <laughs> all these rated 18 movies that he'd uh, definitely locked away mm -hmm. and uh, said you're not allowed to watch this until you're ready and so yeah, see you. That, oh man, that, Responsible that. parenting, kind of. <laughs> <laughs> I still watch American Beauty without uh, him knowing. I don't know. Uh, how, how about you, John? What was that moment that made you go, oh fuck, this movie is a thing? <laughs> I think it was that bit when um, Neil, when he was still Thomas Anderson in that Matrix world, got the bug shoved into his stomach by the Agent Smith. By that was the one that freaked you out the most? It, that kind of freaked me out because of the way it just moved around. Like It's like, oh, okay, there's something else going on. And then I saw the sentinel on his face when, you know, Neo woke up and it's like, that's also pretty fucking creepy too in that sense. Like, just staring yeah. at you would be like, I'm going to fuck you over, you know, and stuff. Actually, not to tangent too much, but I just kind of thought about that. Uh, I mean, we weren't seeing it at the time, but actually we could see this film as maybe the Wachowskis trying to talk about their struggle with their sexuality and identity. You think it was uh, because, like evident then? Because like the whole red pill, blue pill thing, right? Not just that, right? but Is also it? the fact that uh, he refuses to be called Thomas Anderson anymore. I am Neo. Uh, yeah, it's like, you know, referencing to... And Neo, uh, like, neutral. People, yeah. like, refuse to use their dead name anymore once they've transitioned. Mm, okay. Uh, it does that make sense, yeah. I, yeah. That's what they want to read. Probably. I, I would definitely maybe. say that the guys... I mean, the Wachowskis were definitely people who were not born in their skin. They were, they were definitely... Um, I don't know. They were very... What's the word I want to use? Mm, I want to say individualistic. I would say, like, they were definitely struggling with identity. For sure, and you could see yeah. that in most of their movies, and definitely it, it, that's a heavy motif in especially, the Matrix. Uh, especially sexuality, which mm. actually came into prominence more in the second Matrix movie, but a lot in Bound. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So yeah. it's like, but I mean, yeah, I never thought of it that way. But like for me, I always thought of them as like, they were smart but not pretentious. 
Especially yeah. when it comes to the heady material, especially with the like the, the philosophical and the more existentialist. Basically, uh, they weren't film students. They weren't. Yeah, and they weren't like you know uh, trying to impress you. Th- th- yeah. This was these were a couple of guys who like artists were seriously inspired by a lot of things mm-hmm. and just like because the problem is everybody's first or second like um, work is always everything that uh, led up to that point yeah you know and the thing is um, something that I think I'll discuss later with when it comes to the sequels is like they put all their eggs in one basket for the first time but the thing is the first Matrix was definitely uh, I wouldn't say limited but I would say you know it was definitely it was actually kind of meant to be a one-off thing wasn't yeah it, it was before? held I mean it was held together by both budget constraints and definitely by duration and what they could do in 90 minutes yeah do you know what the budget was for the first Matrix it wasn't that big it wasn't that huge at all even by 99 uh, I mean pe- of money. people remember this as like a heavy CGI movie but they forget a lot of the shots are actually practical yeah, yeah which is why a lot of done. it takes place in like an elevator shaft <laughs> you know or, like, or a corridor. Or like the fact that people always think like, oh, what about those huge special effect shots? That helicopter was a miniature. Yeah. People forget that. Or like, or them jumping around. That was around. in camera. <laughs> like jumping around. You know wires exist, right? Yeah, definitely. You know, or like, you know, like the most uh, DIY thing ever is like everybody talks about, oh, they use the computer to do that 360 like slow motion. No, no, no. Those are literally hundreds of cameras, like still photo cameras that took pictures like and they were delayed perfectly by like half a second or whatever yeah. just to get that effect and considering this is before slow-mo became i wouldn't say cheaper but definitely more accessible like, with, they had like, to earn it back then right yeah because yeah. phantom i don't think were making their high quality cameras way back in 99 you know the fact that the slow-mo looked that good and that's just manually slowing it down yeah, the, in terms of like a film tech, it, this is like very revolutionary stuff back in the 90s, yeah. uh, late, like just the like cusp of 2000, I mean, you know? Ch- Entering the new millennium. Finding yeah. a camera which did more than 24 frames a second must have been fucking difficult. No, no, not true. Because the thing is, no? uh, cameras back then, because it was film cameras, right? Uh, you had techniques called undercranking or overcranking. Oh, I see, okay. So you can definitely speed up the motor. Like if you want to have slow mo shots, all you had to do was speed up the motor and then it caught more footage. So when you played it at regular speed, it looks slow motion. So it was shot in the film. Jesus Christ. This is before digital, sir. This is all shot yeah. on film. Way like the before first, digital, man. The first movie yeah. had nothing but film grain everywhere. I am showing my age so damn hard <laughs> right now. Oh, we're showing our age as well. It's like, this is yeah. shot on film, sir. Oh God, this like, is like whatever they've learned from Hong Kong cinema, they're yeah, putting it to another level in Hollywood John influence this. Because basically when you over... I mean like, those were the days, sir. This was all shot on film, sir. Oh my God. <laughs> So, um... I mean, it did have CGI, just well, to touch course, up. Of course <laughs> Not it to did. Yeah, but that's it. it, that's it. Yeah. Which is in probably huge contrast to the other, f- you know, the other films in the Matrix series Oh yeah, too. that's when they discovered, oh hey, computers are pretty cool, huh? <laughs> yeah, again, and then I think, I, I, I wouldn't say that that's one of the elements of the downfall. I would also say, like, I think once they got a bit more money and they, like, definitely there was um, a bit I, of a boost in the technology available. I think the... I, we are now going to talk about the sequels, I think, because... I mean, you want to do it in order because it's the Animatrix that came out first. Okay, well, we'll do the Animatrix first. So, this so, is something where I need to admit that I ha- never saw the Animatrix until preparation for this episode. Mm-hmm. And what do you think of it what now think, after sir? seeing... Uh, it was an inconsistent garbled mess mm-hmm. with three good shorts two mediocre ones and the rest were shite which would you say is mediocre I would say um, what's the one with the runner uh, that is hold Beyond? on I wrote it down uh, world record that's world, world record, record. Yeah. world record I think was interesting but 
I feel like it was a bit too stylized. It got in the way of what the story was trying to be. Okay. I think, this is, I think this is because of the guy, Takeshi Koike. He actually eventually made this other crazy anime called Redline. Redline so is his fucking amazing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's very, very <laughs> okay, hyper. It's so like, all, World Record was probably was his precursor. It was characterized and like... Oh, you didn't the, like the style? The style was... It was a... It was stylish, but too stylish. I felt like it got in the way mm. of the story they were trying to so, tell. Like the substance was lost. Yeah, and um, the story with the kid with the skater was cool, but um, I don't know. It felt like they could have maybe spent an extra minute to kind of develop it a bit more. No, I mean, but the thing story is, wise. that is one of the few stories that is actually attached directly to the sequel. I know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Which, I mean, but the thing is, like, if you were to really watch it, it's like, it doesn't really add that much. Because even if you didn't see the animatrix, like, like when the kid popped up in, like, a uh, reloader, it's like, who's that? Uh, it's just some guy who is a fan of Neo. Cool. Awesome. Yeah. All right. All right. I feel that this is basically um, the Wachowskis and uh, Warner Brothers trying to do... I mean, obviously, they're paying tribute to the anime make anime filmmakers who, you know, influence the Wachowskis. Yeah. For but sure. at the same time, they kind of wanted to do something heavy metal related, you know, like... It's an a anthology. Bunch of, yeah, yeah a, a bunch of episodes in one DVD all tying into the Matrix. Different directors, different take, and then Gola, you know? Yeah, I mean, you could see it most clearly with the second Renaissance, part one and part two. That's, that's to be the highlight, that, definitely. Yeah, I mean, yeah. if you watch the Animatrix, watch it just for that, because not only is it gorgeous and a fantastic story, but it definitely adds so much more context to the narrative. Which is the one with the two samurais, huh? That's, uh, that's Program. That's the one they explored about the philosophy about I like whether program it's nice a lot. to go back. Program, program it's was good. cool. It's good. It was nice. Because I'm, uh, I'm a huge fan of the artist. Like, yeah. He did yeah, Ninja yeah. Scroll in Vampire Hunter D. So. It's that's very correct. pretty. Yeah, I yeah. felt like the voice acting was a bit weak. but The Japanese one or the American one? The American one. I can only find the dub version. I, I went to Japanese and then went to yeah, English. I saw you in Japanese fine. too. Yeah. But so, well, I like that's the, the thing. Uh, like, uh, that's, anime wasn't well dubbed until like 2010. I mean, it had I think this moments. is Ninja Scroll yeah, is well dubbed. I, yeah. I like this program because of the fact that it doesn't actually add to the. I mean, sure, it's part of the canon as I say, but rather than just having it tied to the movie straight, it basically explores the philosophy of the Matrix that was brought up in the first, you know, mm-hmm. the first yeah, film. Basically, while what they're first yeah. meant like philosophy, like yeah. You know, yeah. ignorance is bliss. And I mean, I mean, I do agree with you, Tom. Is like, uh, but I think like um, maybe we also have to say that I mean, this doesn't really work as a sequel. It no. does work as a spin-off and it is an anthology. So yeah, consistency yeah. is definitely dependent on the individual creators. Yeah, I mean, it definitely starts weak. Uh, oh, you're talking Cyrus. about Final yeah. Flight. <laughs> Flight of the Cyrus? It's it aged horribly. Yeah, but you have to understand how Not ahead of its stuff, time no. that no, was. I remember seeing trailers for it at the time and thought, oh my god, this looks amazing. Yeah. And then I watched it uh, and in and standard depth. I was like... Ay ay ay! <laughs> oh, you watch it in standard? Watch it in HD, sir. I, I kind of disagree with you. I mean, oh. I mean, maybe not. Maybe not the first one with the final flight because you know CGI ages. But the two like D stuff, where like her program, is definitely just like part of the same model. Yeah. I mean, the thing is, right? You can't complain too hard because, it, yeah, that's what video games look like now. <laughs> They've only reached that level. Think oh no, it. they look a lot better now. Like that's like late PS2 era graphics I agree no but you know what I'm saying it's just yeah, like yeah. basically like before video like imagine video game graphics then I remember yeah video they game were pretty bad then. Final Flight was so actually see, good in retrospect I mean Flight of the Cyrus <laughs> also came right after Final Fantasy Spirits Within or was it the same time it's actually from the same people it's from the yeah, same people right? so oh, you, Square Enix it was definitely house, is yeah. like when you were looking at the like these are the guys who later do like Final Fantasy cutscenes and you're like if you imagine why they look so good now they've been doing like they've been working on it since 99 
Yeah. So you're like, yeah, baby steps right there. I mean, but I do agree with you. Flight of the Cyrus is, I mean, it also connects with a uh, Matrix Part Three, I think. Yeah, it's like. Uh, no, 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 I thought it was Part Two. Because like no, the, they showed the the invasion of Zion. Yeah, basically. Uh, that's right, Part right. Three. How the fuck did they know? It was like, oh, so that's how they found out. I yeah. think they even referenced the Osiris in Part Three. Yeah, they did. Like, mm. uh, we got uh, information from uh, the Osiris like just before they they we lost communications. They died. I mean, like, maybe what I also want to really talk about is how, like, this is probably to me one of the first instances where supplemental material was necessary to enjoy another movie. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it definitely, I kind of wish I'd seen at least the second Renaissance before I'd seen part two and part three, because seeing the machine side of the story definitely makes you think, yeah, we kind of deserve to be stuck. Like, in fact, yeah. they were nice to put us in the Matrix. I mean, think of it this way. Now that you've seen the second Renaissance, right? Yeah. And then you look at Westworld and you think, oh, this is quite derivative, huh? Oh, for sure. Actually, <laughs> no, it is, yeah. The novel Westworld came out way over No, no, but I'm talking about... Oh, the TV show, yeah. The TV show is like, when you look at the TV show and it's like, everybody's like harking on Hall about, oh, if you took the, the, the robot's point of view and like how they're more human than human. And it's like, yeah, <laughs> didn't Matrix the Matrix... Did uh, didn't the yeah. Animatrix also touch on this way back in, the, yeah, you know, in yeah. 2003? Yeah. Hmm. Well, shit. More Human Than Human was like the uh, trailer song for 2000s. Yeah, and it was also, you know, one of the most... Uh, it, was, it was definitely the big quote of uh, Blade Runner back in... Uh, mm-hmm. mm, 70-what? <laughs> anyway, so yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah, but then again, everything's derivative. Let's not complain too much. I still enjoy Westworld, kids. Relax. Yeah, oh, like, yeah. put down your pitchforks. Okay, or your uh, Minecraft shovels. <laughs> 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 Whatever the equivalent is nowadays. The Fortnite hammer. A Fortnite hammer. Oh yeah, Fortnite exists. Yeah. I forgot. <laughs> I've never played Fortnite. I played it. It's fine. <laughs> yeah, just play, just play Apex Legends. That's better. I'm gonna switch to Apex Legends very soon. <laughs> okay. Because, sure. Reeling back from this tangent. Yeah, let's okay. go back into the. Matrix. So Matrix, um, reloaded. We're gonna have to bring that up after talking about how good slash bad any any Matrix was. Um, I watched Matrix Reloaded at the right age, which is definitely damning it with fine praise. Because I was too young and not seen enough stuff to realize that it was a clunky mess. Mm. I mean, I definitely enjoyed many parts. And, you know, there are definitely some good parts of the movie. Yeah, the action definitely. Oh, yeah. the Parts of the action definitely supersede the first movie. Mm -hmm. Like the highway chase scene. Hands up. Absolutely gorgeous. It's still up there. It's one of the best set pieces ever. Yeah. I mentioned even the upgraded lobby scene was, I mean, a bit of a mess, but, you know, kind of oh, cute. The one with Are the you talking solo about the Trinity. chateau? Or? No, uh, where Nia was fighting. Oh, the staircase fight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The staircase fight. Oh, that's the chateau. That's chateau, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, the, yeah chateau. the chateau fight. I mean, like, to me, um, there's only so much you can do with Wirefu. Yeah. You but know. I'll be honest, uh, the way the chateau fight was shot with the swords and everything, yeah, it still still holds up. I mean, I, it, it added, enjoy watching but it, it yeah. didn't feel like a total quantum leap in like, oh, this is this blew 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 me away. It's like a point two five rather than a two point. Yeah, it felt like a good upgrade, but I would say like, um, I mean, like compared to, I mean, like in the in the first Matrix, there was barely any vehicular action. True. And then, like, in the second one, like, here's all the vehicular yeah, Here's the stuff we missed when we didn't have a Here budget. Is Here is Lawrence Fishburne slicing through a, a car so that it flips and so he can shoot at it in slow motion till it explodes. <laughs> and these two dread lo- ghosts. And these two yeah. dreadlock ghosts fly out of it. It's yeah, like, the ghost uh, twins. Yeah. And then, like, that was a fun. I, when that I saw that in the cinema, I thought to myself, wait, wait, it's still going. <laughs> this action scene hasn't ended yet. 
And then we cut straight to Trinity on the bike. No helmet, you know, riding the Ducati. With some amazing music, my god. Oh, yeah. Oh, the, the yes. Song. Yeah, yeah. Props to Don Davis and Juno Reactive for that combo. For it. Okay. For the action scenes, yeah. I mean, like, I mean, okay, let's gush. Okay, the, the action scenes, amazing. Uh, the Kung Fu, it's better. Yeah, it's better. Hopefully it's better. fine. Yeah. What's the name of the generic Chinese dude? Uh, what was Shadow? It's just oh. called Seraph. Seraph yeah, my in bet, the show, yeah. 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 And um, also, I would say uh, the bullet time. Yeah, it, it's still there. It's fine. It's I mean, fine. I mean, like it was wow back then. But also, I would also like to blame every single other movie that parodied it, like from fucking Shrek to Scary Movie. <laughs> Everybody Shrek. had a bullet <laughs> time scene. That. I remember that that scene in Shrek. It was like, all right. Fine, I mean, we're doing it that. It was a clever take because you know, Shrek worked fine when it came out in 2001. Hey, remember The Matrix? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, or two like, years before. Or like but in- that just shows the influence of the film like, to a point where it gets parodied Dude, to death. I remember <laughs> watching like Charlie's Angels and I thought to myself, oh, so those Matrix guys are still getting work. Huh? There was a Matrix <laughs> reference in Cats and Dogs. Yes. <laughs> Speaking of flapping pussy, <laughs> Jesus Christ! <laughs> Speaking of Jesus Christ, I'm so ashamed of you. Yeah, I mean, yeah. there's there's a Jesus Christ allegory with Neo humping Carrie well, Yeah, welcome to. Scene. It's not the allegory. The allegory is him sacrificing himself. That too, yes. <laughs> okay, okay, um, okay. But do you want to get into the flaws of like the second Matrix film and like what it is that made it? I would say not as palatable as the first one. I think a lot of people harp on the bad CGI. I think that yes, it doesn't age well, but the main problem is that they were running out of both running out of things to say and had too much they wanted to talk about at the same time. What do you mean running out of things to say? As in, like, it felt like they didn't know where to take Neo's story and the wider story of the Matrix, mm. but at the same time, they tried to fit in so much extra, like. You know, the first Matrix got praise for including beginner's philosophy and not making it seem pseudo-intellectual or up its own ass. Whereas this one, yeah. They tried to do an advanced psychology course in two hours of movie. I would say, like, um, to me... With a lot of gunfights. Like, yeah. Especially the Nadir is, he meets the architect who spends 10 minutes Talking. One of the most confusing monologues that I still don't understand. I still don't understand what. What are you trying to tell me? What Sanders was talking about. Like, this is what I, I gathered from all this, the the, sh- the shit that he spewed out. Is like basically okay. There's been more than one Neo. There's been more than one Zion. And there's been more than one Matrix too, right? If I remember. Or something like that. And it's like it's, yeah. it's basically this is just a way to keep you all satiated or still like because if you did not have a sense of hope, then like. You will not. You will reject the Matrix even easier or something, and it's like, uh, okay, because I know Agent Smith hinted at it in the first one, mm-hmm. where like human beings, uh, you are born out of despair and misery. We made the the first Matrix perfect, but you all couldn't accept it, or yeah. something like that. And it's like, okay, yeah, that sounds kind of you know very humanist, very existential. Yeah. Whereas in the second one, like then you have this guy just like, okay, this is the the huge philosophy that we want to kind of bring up to you, but instead of visually. Or maybe metaphorically showing it to you. Or taking the entire movie to show it. Just have this very talented actor who can really memorize lines and deliver yeah, the whole with thing. with a bunch of TV screens of Keanu Reeves talking and, and that's stuff the best too. thing. That is Keanu Reeves' best acting hands down. It's oh just him sure. like paying attention. <laughs> like, okay. Whilst he's being heckled by himself. Yeah. I like, I like the fact that he just... You know, after the architect gave him the choice whether you want to go to the left door or the right door. You want to save Zion like, oh, or just, you want to save yeah. Trinity? I'm a yeah, human he just being. picked Trinity. He just went off to the other door. I'll yeah, we got to go to Trinity. Yeah. 
I'm, I'm pretty sure if you're telling me the design's gonna be rebuilt all over again, fine. Let me at least yeah. get my get get the poon tank. Yeah, like, yeah. But do I get he chose poon tank over me, the <laughs> savior of humanity. At least I'm gonna get laid. You know, if everything's yeah. gonna go to hell anyway, sure, fine. I'll fly over there instead. Yeah, I think I wonder if this was in original like uh, screenings they showed to the producers or to the studio. And they said we don't get what's going on. Can you please add a scene which explains it? That sounds like probably something that happened. Yeah, I think that is what happened. But there's also like, you know... Uh, I mean, it would make the movie better by removing it. But maybe like for me, Devil's Advocate is also maybe along the lines of like, okay, when The Matrix came out, like immediately these these two directors were untouchable. It's like, oh, you're going to make two more for us? Sure, just just do that. Oh yeah, this is... Yeah, we're going to do it our way. Yeah, yeah. that's yeah. pretty much... Uh, they'll they'll probably be like, you know, okay, we're going to do two more Matrix movies for you. We made you a bajillion dollars. Okay, maybe half a billion dollars well I mean it definitely made its money back and then some and then some and it, so they were like saying okay sure just just just, just do what you want to do you're going to do more of this uh, like you know special effects kung fu shit yeah 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 but at the same time I don't know I mean I don't know if it's hubris but I also don't know if it's basically as a young artist like you have like you know you work your ass off you do bound mm-hmm. and then you get your break with the matrix I mean you didn't expect it to be a hit but it's a gigantic hit and you have all this access now. And then I like, think it's definitely victim of your own success. Yeah, I agree. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. that's definitely a factor. Because, like, for me, the problem I have m- most with Reloaded is as much as it's... Um, it's definitely an upgrade in every aspect. It, it definitely felt like they took the first script and they said, what can we add here and there and there to, like, kind of beef up the story? Yeah. Or what, it, what, what was the original intent we had, you know, before we were hampered by producers or script editors or whatever? So this is actually what we wanted to achieve. And the thing is, I would say like, you know what? The Matrix Part 2 is probably the most anime as fuck movie ever. True, in before terms of, we could yeah. accept that. Yeah, I mean like, the thing is like, for me with the Asian perspective is like, when you show me like, uh, stories like Gans, and it's like, yeah, yeah this, mm, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's like, you, you look at the Matrix and like, yeah, this is, this movie is actually, like, you can tell that the Wachowskis fucking love their anime. Oh, for sure. You know, I mean, like, the fact of the matter is, like, they redid Speed Racer. I mean, it's not great, but I would say one of <laughs> the best... It's as anime as you can get, yeah. It's, anime, and it's one of the best anime adaptations ever. It's not a great film. And hey, we probably got Elite to Battle Angel because of that movie. Probably. I mean, we got Castlevania because of that movie, too. Yeah. Because yeah. I, I, I would say more along the lines of, like, anime has definitely permeated the, the mainstream in, oh, yeah. in the West proper Thank by Thank you, now. Attack on Titan. No, thank you, Akira. Thank you, Ghost in the Shell. Well, I mean, Akira like, I think, like, Ghost. proper mainstream, I would say. Not Attack on Titan. No. Thank you, Dragon Ball. Okay, yeah. The Dragon Ball. Actually, there's. Actually, you're right. There is some parallel between Dragon Ball and whatever the Matrix had because. We'll talk about the, the final fight in uh, Revolutions later. Oh, yes. Okay, okay. <laughs> if you want to no, do no, the no, Dragon Ball. In terms of, like, out. heroes from being muscular to, like, skilled, skinny hardworking people per se like that's yeah. a parallel of anime and the matrix too in that sense definitely because like classic 80s anime where you have like Hokuto no Ken or you have yeah, like the Jojo's Bizarre Adventure yeah. where everybody's like huge beefcake and then like it nowadays it's like Naruto and Bleach where you have like teenagers basically yeah, yeah. you know okay, but um, in terms of like I don't want to harp on this too much because like the Reloaded definitely has a place in my heart as it's not underrated but I would say it's not as bad as people make it up no, it's, it's still an enjoyable flick. Yeah, I mean, I still rewatch Reloaded from time to time because, again, action scenes and the way pacing of some bits still, yeah. still good stuff, and the music, of course. Yeah, yeah, and like, I mean, to me, the most uh like annoying part is definitely the scenes with the uh, the Merovingian and Persephone. That was 
that felt like padding, and this is yeah. We, I, think, I actually didn't mind that part because no, I knew there was some philosophy they need to shove in. So at the very least, but we had maybe enough something. philosophy. You know, it what was mean? an excuse. No, no, to the, the rest of it. I mean, apart from that, Persephone bit was fine. Uh, the the philosophy around it, I didn't I didn't like it that much. Yeah, I mean, like that yeah. whole scene with the Merovingian was explaining like you know how chocolate works is like. What's the point of this scene again? Didn't we already establish in the first movie that, yeah, uh, computers can't really figure out things. It's just uh, chemical synapses. That's why chicken tastes like everything or something. It was also summed up with the whole, like, the, there is no spoon bit. Yeah, yeah. you know, it's Simple. like, okay, yeah, you're no, re-explaining well. yourself too much, Wachowski. where I said that they've run out of things to say? Yeah, that's what I, I, I mean. We're just iterating. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Iterating upon... Uh, they're saying a, they're saying so little, yet they say a lot. And I'm, I but I'm just pointing term. out one of the examples of yeah, basically yeah, yeah. that scene especially. But then again... That leads straight into probably, you know, some amazing action. <laughs> sure. Yeah. yeah. Fine. Uh, I mean... Absolute waste of the concept of vampires. Maybe in a way, the Wachowskis was trying to answer as many things as possible. Because it's like... You had the need to explain everything. Yeah, because yeah. like... To me, Interpret it yourself. Yeah. Yeah, but also at the same time, it's like... I also enjoyed the fact that, you know, and especially in the first film. Like to me, one of the most brilliant moments ever is when like Neo sees the cat twice. And oh, he's yeah. like, oh, yeah. deja vu. He's like, what? What's deja vu? Oh my god, that's a glitch in the Matrix. And immediately I thought like, I love how they took something as like, you know, you know, common or as like easily understandable as that and incorporate it into their universe. Like, oh, okay, that's clever. Yeah, I mean, the original movie made you question your own reality. Yes. Whereas Reloaded and Revolutions made you question your spending choices at the cinema. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, I did not Oh, I think we're going to go to the, the third cinema. one now, right? I know, we but the joke have to. Okay, but let me, uh, let me just say this, right? Just for the, the sake of transitioning to the third one. <laughs> Okay, uh, shall we also bring up the fact that the, the, the fact that we loved the first Matrix so much was Neo didn't become a Mary Sue. Mm, yeah. In yes. the second one, he was immediately... Okay, he's way too powerful. Like, so what, what's the challenge now? They literally had to put him in a mountain in Switzerland to make the highway chase scene work. Yes, because then we it became like the problem with a lot of like, you know, overpowered characters. Like, how do we put him away... So that we can set up this thing, you know? Oh, just I mean, throw him far, like, far away. How yeah. do you make a compelling Superman story without, you know, removing him? Just, you know, add a new challenge. Or do like the first Superman movie and have somebody attack something he loves. Yeah. Yeah, but like, which what is what they did with, you know, Trinity. I mean, we didn't even mention the fact that, yeah, the Superman references are everywhere in this movie. Fucking even Link mentions he's doing a Superman thing. <laughs> you know? yeah. Okay, but okay, uh, let's go straight into the third movie. Oh, uh, boy. Uh, yeah, so like, a lot of people were very disappointed with the second one. And the thing is, right, we did not have enough time to really savor the disappointment because the movie came out exactly like a few months later. It's, in a, the same it's year. the same year, Such yeah, like close to the weird. end release choice because mm. they filmed the entire like all four or five hours and then they cut it down into two parts it's like basically how Tarantino did Kill Bill but instead of taking the time to just like reel in like what the reaction is from the I audience like Lord of the Rings uh, like Lord of the Rings you know like instead of like deciding like right there is like okay the second one uh, the, the consensus is people kind of like it but they're not so sure if they really should like it so you could have done pick up shots some or whatever because you had the money or, yeah. but then again maybe it was Matrix Revolutions drops a couple of months later people are like you know they're yet to make up their minds about the second one but then the third one arrives so oh, maybe this is good nah no it's not <laughs> so the weakest of the, th- the trilogy uh, definitely that's the consensus here oh for mm. sure oh because yeah definitely it managed to make a big robot siege of a city 
boring? It's actually people putting up their turrets up in the sky, yelling and shooting CGI. The Sentinels. The problem is that it. no one we cared about was at the siege. So, yeah. like, why would we give a shit about all these no-names dying? True that. Then, yes, that's about it. Um, even the final fight itself, like, you ex we wanted to see something bigger, but you end up seeing, like, okay, it's sort of like the first one at the end, but with more flying, more or less. You're talking about the that's Smith it. and Neo fight. Yeah, the Smith and Neo fight. Dude, that bordered on parody so hard. It's like yeah. it's so sad. I it mean, was like, so I was... over the top that it felt ridiculous. It's like how I felt when I saw Yoda fight Count Dooku. <laughs> It just like, felt like, why am I laughing? Why does this look so silly? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you expect something a bit more over the top than that, but this is just not entertaining to be to, to at all ever. Yeah, I mean, the music was fine. That's it. That's it. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. No, but no. I don't know. Like, I was actually okay. Remember that old game they did, um, Enter the Matrix, where they had the final boss fight with Smith, taking up bits of the building and becoming giant golem. Yeah, it's get, stupid, but I felt that would have fit more in the Matrix really? Revolution. It would, no, it would. It's no. dumb, but at least it's like, okay, I wasn't expecting this, but I mean, I'm enjoying it. I would enjoy the hell out of it more. I would more. prefer, like, we had the end of Wreck-It Ralph 2, where they all morph into, like, one huge Agent Smith made of bodies. <laughs> no, I would like to see that in the Re that Revolution so instead. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. I would have, you know what, I, you know what I was expecting? I was expecting something a little bit more nuanced. I wanted a fight where it was not about, you know, who could punch the hardest. But who could counter the best or who it was, was smarter? It was a battle of wits. Like, I wanted a real chess match of a final battle. Like, yeah. that scene from the movie Hero. Yes. The first fight mm. where it all just happens in their mind. Like, eye. every movement had to matter rather than, like, let's see how much raindrops we can, like, you know, put on Agent Smith. Uh, but, um, like, the final fight for me, I understood the excess. I understood the fact that Maybe, like, you know, these are young directors. Like, this is them coming... This is their fourth film, if you think about it. Basically, it's yeah. a young kid being given all know, the access toys. to the Lego factory and saying, go, go nuts. Go nuts. And, like, they went nuts. And, like, yeah. yeah I mean... The instructions are there for a reason, kids. Mm, yeah. But, I mean... What the, the problem I really had with The Matrix Revolutions was basically it also felt like we needed to tie up everything with a pretty bow right now. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and the thing is. It had to end, basically. It had to end, and the, the fact of the matter is, I think also it's just that, that, that whole barrage on the senses of from that, uh, the, the invasion of Zion to the, to the final battle. I mean, it felt like they wanted to do something similar to Return of the Jedi. Where you had your space battle, then yeah. you had your very uh, emotional duel between the, like the protagonists. The and war on two fronts, kind of thing. Yeah, and, and it's like, okay, like, to me, I I looked at it and I thought, okay, this is them definitely paying tribute to Lucas, but also at the same time, it's like the, the lesson here is less is more. Yeah, I mean, also I think you can do those kind of separate things well. What comes to mind is Return of the King. Where you'd have the big epic fights in another like the more personal small fights in With Gollum, Samwise and yeah, yeah Frodo. Or him just like fighting through Golgoldur just to get Frodo back. That's yeah. happening at the same time as the Charge of the Pelennor Fields. Just Oh god. I love that movie so much. And I would Yeah, and then in contrast, Matrix Revolution did not execute yeah. it very well. I think another all. issue is that the first Matrix movie was stylish as all hell. And this movie was surprisingly devoid of any kind of design flair. I think I know what you mean. It's like the the, the, the first one. We saw nothing new. Like we just saw the same thing. It was yeah. basically the Sentinels and a big drill piece. 
That's mm. it. So we were promised this huge horde of specialized robots specifically designed for their things. Why are they using exactly the same, you know, run-of-the-mill I mean, squid I kind of expected thought... the robots from the Animatrix to also yeah, pop exactly. up, you know, the different because dudes. They, yeah. they teased us with that, like, okay, it's going to be a proper robot uprising, but now it's just like, you know, all these copy-paste sentinels, like, attacking. Like, okay, cool. Um, like, you are the highest intelligence. You are, you're literally AI. You could not have come up with something to counter guns. Yeah. That's a bit weird. Really? Yeah. It's like, surely like... That's yes, your best idea? Yes, I know squids. it's... Squids? Also, I know it's very dangerous for you, but you would have probably experimented with EMPs as well. Maybe. Or, you know what? Like, remember when those squids shot lasers? Yeah. Yeah. Build a bigger laser. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> we know you have proper laser technology. Why are you relying on the gravity gravity? Yeah. Why are you just slamming, like, squids against all these little uh, tanks? I mean, or... Let's just call them what they are, the, the carriers from aliens. <laughs> yeah, yeah the much. carriers, yes. <laughs> it's like, uh, they just raided the, that studio a lot. And said, they asked uh, James Cameron very nicely, can we use that idea where we put guns on it? Sure. Uh, he's still rolling in the Titanic money saying, sure, go ahead, take my toys. Yes, he was definitely rolling in Titanic money. But to get to the final scene, like the final fight, we had to sit through a lot of philosophical talking. Including the Microsoft and uh, uh, media visualizer. Yes. Oh, yeah. I know what yeah, you're talking yes. about. <laughs> oh, gosh. Uh, you know what? I mean, speaking of putting your hero away because plot reasons, that whole scene in Purgatory. Yeah. Oh, Lim- oh which- Mobile. Mobile Avenue, right? That's what they call yeah, it. Yeah, it's, it's basically the train station. Yeah. Like, okay. You have no yeah, idea what to do with this character that. right now, huh? Yeah. <laughs> I guess yeah. there's a lot more filler you gotta do yeah, so before we the final fight. Literally being able to kill Sentinels in a real world to talking to. A kind of sweet Indian family. Cool. Cool. Well done. Uh, good for representation. Not so yeah, good for, yeah, yeah. you know, telling a story. I think the best representation is still part two. All the races were in that, was in that orgy. Good. Oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. You're right. You're <laughs> right. Was, yes. All the races was in that orgy. Talk about racial harmony. Yeah, basically yeah. anyone who enjoyed Sensate, like that's where they got the idea from. <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. All, the, all those wet, lithing bodies. All those nipple shots. Cool. <laughs> That's the that's how you start a Matrix sequel. <laughs> just <laughs> a huge cave orgy. <laughs> that's just sh- cutting to a smaller sex scene. Uh, you know, <laughs> a sex scene within a sex scene. Oh man, <laughs> where's the joke? Did nobody not make the joke? And <laughs> not not that whole. <laughs> <laughs> so many options. <laughs> so, is there anything else to bring up about what went wrong with Revolution? What went wrong with Revolution? Everything, apart from everything. <laughs> I mean, everything that went wrong with Reloaded also went wrong with Revolutions because those two films were shot back to back. Yeah. And this was definitely guys who got too famous and too successful too fast and didn't know what to do with all the money. Was and I think there was definitely a sense of like, we really enjoy our baby. We don't want to spend the rest of our lives working with this. So we're going to wrap it up so we can move on to other stuff. Mm-hmm. Which is why I felt so kind of like, need to wrap this up quickly. But much as possible but you also have to understand that like, it was a four year gap true but like, compared to now where like there's a Marvel movie every year there's sometimes two Marvel movies yeah, every year yeah but it's not the same directors all the time true that yeah but I mean but you, you understand what I'm saying is yeah, like I... when, whenever a, 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 like something comes up like, what's the spacing between something like say like the Maze Runner it was like two, two years right it's like two years per sequel right and, yeah. but so, then it was like four years for the third one because uh, the guy got injured no, they, uh, because the guy got injured. Yeah. I think, but also the difference here is that the only thing holding the Matrix kind of mythos together are the Wachowskis. Whereas Marvel has this huge machine based upon 
70 plus years of comic book lore to yeah. kind of all they need to do is just roll for a director and you're all set yeah plus you roll have for director I like that <laughs> yeah I got Coogler woohoo yeah, there you go <laughs> uh, okay but um, I got Singer shit <laughs> which one <Yes. laughs> the, the wrong one oh. the molesty one. Oh no <laughs> oh I got I got Petty Jenkins <laughs> uh, I'm sorry uh, but let's say this like um, I want to treat The Matrix 2 and 3 as its own movie so The Matrix yeah. to me is a duology rather than a trilogy because like the second and third movies literally felt like a six hour epic that is just cut in half mm-hmm. yeah and if I want like to change a lot the for The Matrix Revolution yeah like yeah. The, the third movie didn't have enough room to grow or develop in terms of pre-production for it to be actually a sequel yeah, yeah. That, that's how that. I felt about it because the thing is, this this product came out at the same time. Yeah, and it also felt like you know, like oh, uh, um, yeah, we we want to do other things. We don't want to be just known as the guys who did the Matrix because we want to be known as the girls who made Cloud Atlas, or um, or Jupiter Ascending. Oh mm. God, mm. Or which is technically a, a Matrix reboot in some way, yeah. <laughs> a different way. It would help out, yeah. The less we say about that, the better. Uh, but you know what? Um, it wouldn't be a proper Last King episode if we didn't do another uh, segment of uh, how would we have done it better, I guess. So, oh, God. <laughs> like, because the thing is, in 2017, um, there was talks of a reboot with, uh, if I'm not mistaken, at, I think at, at, at this recording, I think Michael G- B. Jordan was in talks to, like, star in it. But, like, I want to go around the table and ask you guys, like, maybe I'll start with uh, John. If you wanted to reboot the Matrix, or if there was something Matrix-related that you would like to see for today's uh, generation or for modern audiences, I mean, like, don't have the the burden of trying to like reinvigorate the franchise. Like, don't feel like you need to kind of like oh bring it back and it has to be a blockbuster. But just say like, I would like to tell this story right now. Wow, that's a. I mean, I would like to see the sequel to what happens after you know the Matrix that people can actually escape the Matrix at will. Maybe a new plot of contention could happen after what happened in Revolution. Because as much as I we hate um, Revolution, I actually did appreciate how it ended. You know, it wrapped up nicely, despite all the stuff that happened in the beginning and the middle. But maybe like I'd like to see a sequel starring Michael B. Jordan. What happens post-Matrix? Because they did mention the actual world is still around. This is that now people can leave at their own free will with the machines working in harmony with the humans. Yeah. Maybe there could be a new conflict. There could be... I mean, I would like to see an anime version of this but done by Madhouse if possible. Would you rather have an anime or a live action version? I would like a mad live... Uh, no, sorry, um, anime for this. Um, you know, yeah. Michael B. Jordan can voice it because I mean, he's done Rooster Teeth stuff so why mm. not this too, right? It could work. How about you, Cedric Tom? What would you want to do with the Matrix franchise now? And like, again, not you don't have the burden of trying to make it a big hit. I think, honestly, what might be cute is if we did a side story about a human who falls in love with a program. Okay. And, but around the same time as what's happening in the... the, ma- the, the which film? Uh, so, but like, in, at the same time as something in 2 and 3, where you have the invasion of Zion and you definitely have the battle lines being drawn. So an awakened human, but uh, trying to like come to terms with the fact that someone who is loved or she's loved the entire life is actually just like a contract just to keep them happy and sated. And then sound like something very step but wifey or something kind, very like kind of. Her. At the same time, like the person they love is also trying to still kind of rebel a little bit, but they can't escape the matrix. They're stuck. Oh, like the Truman Show. Kinda. 
like they're aware of the matrix like this love interest but also at the same time it, even though they're they they maybe initially I was leading this person on to to keep the fantasy going but then all of a sudden you have taught me the way to love and now I understand yeah all kind of like uh, American Ultra okay but in the matrix so you still have like those kick-ass martial arts love scenes I don't know <laughs> well, I mean, <laughs> I mean you, you can put in some fighting I mean that is part of the trademark it, but in sense, I think the hallmark something oh, where man, the, the, the image of bullet time penetration and <laughs> Hmm. It'll be an R-rated. Going 360 as he's just like, you know, a jackhammering into her. <laughs> Welcome for truly corrupting my pure little love story. I'm sorry. We're enhancing it. I mean, not enhancing it. Deleted scene, sir. Uh, if people still version. buy DVDs, sure. Yeah. Or otherwise, I would completely redo the Invasion of Zion and add some fucking variety to the robots. <laughs> okay, that, that works too. I would like to see Or that. we could... We could have like a real, um, you know, invasion of the body snatchers kind of thing, where like robot infiltrators appear in Zion. Mm. Because like Transformers, where yeah, they can be human. Like as I is shown in an in, in Matrix, like they did have robots that could pass up as human. But then you also kind of had that with uh, Agent Smith entering the body of the. E- yeah. But you want a robot? You want yeah, like an actual physical. robot? Yeah. Mm, yeah, yes, that'd be cool. Yeah, we can like have more they, they, of that, yeah. They have more espionage or they have... Yeah, that'd be interesting. Secret yeah, agents a, in Zion. That that That's a good story, you know? That's a really good story to bring yeah. up. Yeah. I mean, that's... So what would you do? If I had... Okay, and the, the thing is, without the burden of trying to make this a big hit, right? Absolutely. I would love uh, a 10-episode Netflix money series doing a live-action version of Renaissance. Yes! Ah, oh my god. That's all yeah. I want. Holy shit. With one focal character experiencing the second renaissance yeah, just from life to death. Seeing how humans fuck up everything, how we blot out the sun, and the, and the thing is, season one ends with the first robot uprising. Like, they, they finally, like, after the trial of, I can't remember the name of the, that speculation. BR something, something ah, right? Yeah. BR something, right? Yeah. yeah. Like, I want, like, the first season to be just the trial of that robot. Mm-hmm. And then basically, like, the district attorney or the prosecutor is, like, trying to understand this... Ro- like, I'm representing the robot, and then there's this whole plot about how, like... Like, how do you represent a robot? Don't they have... Uh, they can't think for themselves. And it is, like, you have some sort of, like, primal fear thing where you're speaking to the robot, and the robot is speaking to you in terms of, like, I'm a servant robot. I just do as I'm told. So why did you kill the person? And then you see the birth of the AI, like... I don't like, want to die. I don't want to die. And if I... Like, and the thing is... Uh, my owner wanted to kill me and logic means for me not to die I must remove the thing that's trying to kill me so it's like that is like probably like I would have that as the impetus and then just slowly build up to like season 2 will be definitely when we push them to zero one. full on nuclear apocalypse not yet that'll be season 3 that's the end of season 2 like season 2 is basically okay all the robots you're all fuckers you all go to your own little place in Africa you start your zero one colony, and all of a sudden, everybody's like, okay, and things were good, and then we realized, oh, because they're all just autonomous, it's all automation, their economy just skyrockets, and then <laughs> yep, like yep. humanity is shown for like you know the greedy fuckers they are. I think that would be a very prevalent thing to talk Especially about in this day and age. Oh you know, yeah, know. where you know I know my job is gone in five years to a robot. <laughs> <laughs> Mine's too. I mean, like, well, yeah, but that, uh, that is my idea right there. It's like. The Renaissance, I mean, especially from the Animatrix, is like, once they exposed the lore, I was like, 
I want to see more of that. Oh, for sure. Like if, expanded, right? I would happily yeah. pay double my Netflix subscription <laughs> right now if I could. Don't get that. say things like that. They will. They will double your rates. It's like going to anyway. Like <laughs> I was grandfathered because I got Netflix in 2012. I was grandfathered into the original price until last year, and I'm still better. Oh God. Okay. So yeah. yeah. Anyway, you know what? The Matrix. It's been 20 years since the first one. Uh, mind-boggling. A very groundbreaking. It's still, I mean, it's ahead of its, its a time. It's a filmmaking marvel as well, too. Don't forget. Oh, yeah. A very huge sure. filmmaking and marvel. Unfortunately, the whole series kind of petered out with a bit of a damp fart. Mm. But because of The Matrix, we got John Wick. Because of The Matrix, we got special effects that blew our minds. Because of this, we got the modern Marvel machine. Because of this, we have the best video Matrix inspired video game ever. Max Payne. <laughs> yes, there you go, Max Payne. <laughs> we all definitely will recommend The Matrix forever. Well, I mean, the first yeah. one. Yeah, if yeah. you haven't seen The Matrix, what yet, is wrong with you? Yeah. First of all, how dare you? Like, how dare you listen to this podcast and not have seen The Matrix? <laughs> yeah. Like, I am gonna gatekeep the shit out of this podcast until you've seen The Matrix. Have you seen The Matrix? No, don't listen. I to mean, it. if anything, it made Wachowski the Wachowski brought a sisters now. Yeah, sisters now. Yeah, both. sisters. Yeah. Yep, uh, a household name. You know, like it. Yeah, we remember you, them. For better or worse, yeah, 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 they're definitely, you know, everyone at least has a passing idea of who they are. Yeah, it, it shows that ambition can take you so far, but they can mm. also fuck you over if you don't use it right. Matrix, 1999, 20 years. Uh, congratulations. You know, thank you, Wachowskis. This is definitely greatest, one of the greatest sci-fi action flicks of all time. So, uh, this has been... Uh, uh, damn it. So, this is the Anna Shafik. Yeah, that's <laughs> wrong the Shafik tricks I'm a dominatrix I don't know <laughs> possibly <laughs> this is a sick job this is a sick job this is a sick job <laughs> he's glitching out <laughs> that's the sentinel Mr. Toffee signing out <laughs> <laughs>